Welcome to Thoughts from the Tinkerage. My name is Andy Pugh. This is episode two. If you're new to the podcast, you might want to go back and have a listen to the trailer and to episode one. They can both be found on Spotify and Anchor FM. Today, I'd like to talk to you about my maker journey. Getting on a bit, so it might be a rather long episode, but I'm just going to give the highlights, really. I guess it starts back in, really, the 1930s. Not with me, because I wasn't born until the 1970s. But 1930s was when my parents were born. So post-Depression, pre-war, they were young children during the war years. So they grew up with very much a sense of make do and mend, rationing. So during that time, my father was brought up on a farm, so he spent obviously time working on the farm. My mother was, I guess, drilled as any young girl at that time would be in things like needlecraft. She was a prolific knitter. Uh, she crochet, tatting, lace making, dress making. Yeah, she she very much a a seamstress. So that yeah, that that's important in my journey because they came on to influence me as the obviously as a child and growing up. One of my first sort of memories of making as probably quite a young child was getting a, a, a toolkit. And I, I, I'm pretty sure I still have the hammer somewhere. But it was it was some proper tools. It wasn't just kind of, you know, things weren't plastic so much in the, the 1970s, the early 1970s. So yeah, it was a proper hammer. It was proper pliers, proper saw. Saw wasn't particularly sharp. Uh, the pliers yeah, wouldn't be particularly strong, but they were you know, fairly decent tools really for a small child to have. In the mid-1970s, we moved to a three-up, two-down terraced house in the Welsh Valleys. And it was not in very good condition, really. Uh, there was no inside bathroom when we got there. And I can remember my dad building a bathroom so that we didn't, you know, we literally had to have baths in a tin bath in the kitchen uh, when we first arrived. He built an extension. Uh, I can remember him doing his own car repairs, changing the brakes, quite a lot of jobs, you know, taking you know, taking the head gaskets off and replacing those, taking the points out. And so I was often kind of helping him with that, helping with tools, uh, passing tools, holding as best I could for my size, you know, pieces of wood while he was sawing them. That would often make things like toys for us, I can remember. One Christmas, getting a, a set for my soldiers, my sort of little plastic soldiers that was made from margarine tubs and plaster of Paris based on a design that we'd seen on Blue Peter. For those listening elsewhere in the world other than the UK, Blue Peter is a very long-running programme on the BBC uh, for children. Uh, very much, I'm not sure what type of programme it would be classified as. But, it, you know, they'd have guests on and they'd talk about different things. They'd have animals on and, you know, they had people doing gardening and the presenters uh, still do, would do crazy things like jump out of planes. 
Uh, they'd also make things. There was a bit of like a, essentially a magazine program for children with a variety of variety of interests. My mother made a lot of our clothes uh, to save money. We didn't have a huge amount of money. Uh, and that wasn't helped by in the late 1970s, my father developed MS. Obviously not a, a nice thing to develop. He'd previously been very fit, uh, done a variety of jobs that were quite physical, not kind of labouring type jobs. Uh, he'd been an ambulance driver, a fireman. He'd worked in safety and security. So that meant he couldn't do those big jobs anymore. Uh, but he carried on making. He, he used to making as a therapy. He made things like matchstick models. Both my parents were smokers. There was always plenty of matchsticks around. So he got designs from magazines. He would make models out of clay, sometimes carving. He made quite a few love spoons. And I kind of carried that tradition on a little bit. My mother would paint as well. She did a little bit of painting. For myself, in, in kind of the late 70s into the early 80s, very much possibly the kind of the, the maker's entry drugs of choice, Lego, none of the fancy kits that you have now, just lots and lots of Lego bricks. Meccano. Meccano was responsible for my first electric shock uh, when I tried to wire one of the motors up to the torpedo switch in my bedside light. I used to like taking things apart. So often we got hold of old radios and kind of old electronic type things. I would spend hours dissecting them, take clocks apart, try and put them back together. And I think pretty much every Christmas we'd get making presents of one sort or another. Uh, I still have the fret saw that I had with a marquetry set. Early 80s, I would think, probably 1980. 81, 82, something like that. The 80s also saw me getting into computing. The ZX81 was my first computer. That would have been when I was probably 11. And obviously that, that was a very good Christmas that year. And a computer, uh, the, the memory pack to go with it, although to save money, it was a memory pack without a case. Uh, just to make it a little bit more delicate. Uh, tape recorder uh, for storing the information on. No disk drives in those days. Certainly often for the home market. And yes, a black and white TV. So that was a that was a bumper Christmas for me. There'd also be things like you know train sets. I'd Hornby double O train set one year. My, my dad made a case for it so it could sit in the side of the living room. And then when we when we wanted to use it, we could open up the front almost like a bureau. And that would come down and we could just put a couple of pieces of track in to cover the place where the hinge was. And we built the landscape and the terrain. That's the other things as well. Painting by numbers sets, airfix models, the kind of foil scraper type pictures. There's kind of a picture that's kind of in black with a little sort of grey and you, you scrape away bits of it and it's there's like a foil underneath. And there'd always be other things, yeah, within our kind of you know, Christmas stockings, things to just to make and do. You know, I had an electronics set one year. Uh, that was particularly fun. Chemistry set, uh, which probably spurred me into a little bit more into going into the sort of science side of things. Uh, Mid-1980s, had uh, a Tamiya Grasshopper remote control car. 
I loved building that. That was fantastic. Uh, you sometimes you just take it apart for almost the sake of taking it apart, just to put it back together again. 1980s was also kind of secondary school time. Uh, first year of secondary school, kind of age 11. First year, as we used to call it, but year seven equivalent now. We went through a variety of different technologies, uh, subjects, craft subjects. In those days, you know, we, we used to do a, a term of one followed by a term of another with different teachers. So we'd have things like woodwork, metalwork, cookery, home economics, technical drawing, pottery, and needlework. I generally did okay in those classes. Uh, woodwork, I was one of the few people to know the majority of the tools, what they were called. I still have the uh, polar bear that I made. Metalwork, I wasn't quite so comfortable in. I, I don't know why. Uh, I still have the little keyring name tag. Uh, made out of copper. Cooking, I was okay with cooking. Textiles, yeah, I did well in textiles. Uh, we started with hand sewing and moved on to machines. And I was the first person to move on to the machine. So I made a pair of PE shorts. They were horrible things, but yeah, it was uh, something that I quite enjoyed. I'd you know, done some sewing at home with my mother, a little bit of knitting. Uh, not something I've kept up, but maybe something I'll do again at some point. Year nine, we had to take our options, or third year, as it was then. And the limited number of options that you had to take, it was, we, I think we only did eight subjects then. So three sciences, maths, two English, uh, that takes you up to six and doesn't leave you with much else. So I ended up opting for history and German. I took German on the basis that my physics teacher at the time advised me because he knew I had a, a strong interest in physics and that I might take that further. But because there were so many German physicists, learning German would be a really useful thing to do. I didn't do very well. Uh, it's maybe something to discuss in another episode. But I kind of wished that I'd had maybe better advice and had been able to maybe keep art on. I used to enjoy drawing with pen and ink not as good with painting but sort of pen and ink was kind of my thing possibly because my father was very interested in pen and ink and so that's kind of essentially trying to copy what he did uh or actually the new subject that was coming through which was kind of craft design and technology uh particularly emphasizing on the sort of technology not in the way that we know it now but in terms of product development product design so the drawing and a portfolio making something. I think that would have been a subject that would have possibly maybe sent me in a slightly different route. Not a, it can't be a regret because that's regrets just eat away at you. But it might be interesting to have maybe in a parallel universe. I did take those options. But I can remember speaking with my art teacher and kind of expressing quite a bit of regret at the time that I wasn't able to carry on with art. I think she would have liked me to have carried it on i wasn't particularly fantastic uh, you know at least one of my school friends is now a professional artist uh produces fantastic work the mid 1980s also saw me getting a camera i'd had kind of little small cameras for a few years kind of classic little kodak pocket cameras but 
1985 for Christmas, I had a Shinon CG5 SLR, a film camera, no digital back then, and a couple of lenses. And my brother-in-law introduced me to black and white film processing. I still have a few of the photographs that are processed uh, sitting in a box somewhere. And I think that that kind of started a a lifelong passion with photography. The late 80s, early 90s, I went to university, uh, took a degree in physics. And pretty much the bits that I found most interesting were the essentially the practical sides of physics. I would describe myself as an experimental physicist, much more than a theoretical physicist. I enjoyed the experimental work. I enjoyed designing experiments, uh, designing bits of equipment for experiments. Didn't always get it right. Certainly remember uh, designing for the uh, team that made things, a, a piece that I wanted a certain dimension, but I didn't quite put the information on the drawing in a clear way. It came back in different dimensions, but it, it still worked. I had a year in industry, worked in magnetic media. Again, designing bits of equipment, designing experiments, practically doing things. Uh, worked in development of new magnetic media materials and absolutely loved that yeah it's a very fun time uh, some interesting things happened during that time had some quite interesting stories some of which probably won't come out on episodes i'm not sure how long the statute of limitations is in the uk i spent a lot of time uh, at university and in that sort of gap year doing outdoor sports so I spent a lot of time fixing mountain bikes, climbing gear, camping gear, caving gear. Got myself a, a pull-up bar at one point in order to improve my uh, climbing abilities. So I kind of made, but I didn't make perhaps in a creative way. I was more kind of fixing things. And I think for quite a few of my adult years, that has often been the case where creativity slid and practicality function became the kind of sort of key issue after university i and a bit of a gap year where i did even more outdoor sports i got a job working for a company that made cement bonded particle board working in their quality control and research department not the healthiest of places to work early 1990s Tucked away in a valley in South Wales, health and safety was perhaps seen as a hindrance. Now, I know some people besmirk the kind of idea of health and safety and think it stops us doing a lot of things. I don't agree with that. I think perhaps litigation, the fear of health and safety has stopped some people doing some things. But when you've been at the scene of accidents, at the when you've narrowly escaped serious injury because of a lack of due care attention, when you have damaged hearing, I, my my hearing is damaged, and partially that's down to my time at that company. My back is some people, some people listening will know, uh, I have rather serious back injury. I have degenerative disc disease. That's probably come from the 
two slip disks that I received while working at that company. Fully automated facility, apart from the quality control process, and the, the, the boards were heavy. And anything up to 100 kilos, it's 220 pounds, we were handling on our own. And it wasn't so much the mass, but these are eight by four sheets. That's, that's awkward. And there were no Gorilla Gripper type facilities back then. So I don't have an issue with health and safety. Working there, uh, obviously there was you know, not so good side to it. But it did also give me a lot more practical skills. Uh, we had a couple of huge cabinet table saws. I think one was 18 inch blade. They run pretty much without guards or things like that. So you you, know, you learn to be careful to avoid kickback, keep your fingers away from the blades. So I still have healthy respect for table saws, but it's respect rather than a fear. Again, that might be a topic for a, an episode at some point. In the mid 90s, having hurt my back and leaving that industry, I went into teacher training. Teaching was something I thought of going into straight after university, but decided that I needed a bit of life experience and wanted to do other things. I'd always been the kid at school, helping others, same at university, kind of help other people to learn. So it kind of seemed an obvious choice for me. I'd be involved in things like scouts and air training corps, air cadets. So kind of the idea of teaching appealed to me and having hurt my back, got over that, going into teaching perhaps a few years earlier than I'd planned. Uh, just seemed a natural path. So did my teacher training, not really any making during that year. Did fix a few things around the rented house that I stayed in. Uh, obviously, we're making things for lessons, kind of demonstration materials. Started teaching, and the first few years of teaching, you don't really get a lot of time for other things, generally. That pretty much per kibosh on making. but kind of physics, close relation to things like, because that's the subject I, I trained to teach, close relation to subjects like design technology. So I often used to kind of hang out with science technology teachers, good way of kind of, I just, it's just it was some magnetism almost. Got married, uh, our first house that we bought together needed, well, the whole house needed a lot of work. The We got it at a good price because it needed work and being young and fit, we were happy to put the work in. There was a uh, not much of a garden. It was an inner city house, so a little bit of a yard, but there was an old outhouse, needed a new roof. That new roof went on. I talked about this in episode one, and that kind of gave me a space to to make things, uh, kind of you know, a bit more constructively, you know, wood, metal, plastic, you know, place to repair the bike. The school that I joined at that time uh, was one of the first schools in the country to gain uh, specialist college status, uh, which was a big thing at that time, as an engineering school. So there were lots of opportunities for engineering to sort of fill the school. And I became the science department's engineering coordinator. So I worked closely with the technology department and the maths department to find ways of boosting engineering as a concept uh, to the, the students at the school. We even ran a, a course for year nine students. So the 
13, 14 year old sort of students, uh, which we call an engineering course. And we had them building essentially bomb disposal robots. We made this little kind of course that they had to maneuver th around and we had to pull uh, some bits out from a, a mocked up bomb that we'd produced. And that was fun. That was great fun. I uh, actually got involved in the kind of sort of technology side of things, discovered laser cutters. I think that was a, I think that was probably quite a pivotal moment. Uh, it's made quite a lot of time with the sort of technology teachers. Uh, we had a few projects going, kind of crossed over various departmental boundaries. And yeah, I think, I think possibly that was quite a pivotal moment, that and, and buying a new house and spending a lot of time making things and starting to acquire more tools. I have some tools, but actually starting to acquire what might say proper tools, things like you know, compound mitre saw, a circular saw. Over a few years, we, we up sort of upscaled the house, bought another house that needed work doing. Uh, so I ended up putting my second kitchen into a house and doing various jobs around and about, making it a, a much nicer place, adding value to the house. And as discussed in episode one, upgraded from a small workshop, which is probably actually about the same size as the Thinkridge, my first workshop, to something the size of a, a, a large single garage. Uh, we couldn't get the car in, so that pretty much became my, my space. I was able to acquire more tools, more things. We'll talk about my hoarding at some other point, I think. Uh, when we were doing up the, the house, uh, one of the things that I started to do was to find something to do outside of the house and outside of school. So I started taking evening classes in a variety of things over the years. Uh, studied astronomy one year. I know guys still technically kind of some, a bit schoolish, uh, but I was doing it for my own enjoyment rather than for learning. Similarly, forensic science. That's a rather interesting course. I spent a bit of time learning the guitar. Uh, that one kind of stopped because I, the guitar teacher that had a class with about five or six people, at least one of whom was himself a guitar teacher. And he spent more time with those that were advanced than with those of us that knew next to nothing. So that kind of became frustrating rather than enjoyable. But I also started to learn how to make jewellery. I did a silver jewellery course. Uh, two silver jewellery courses and really enjoyed that. So you can make a couple of pieces that got sold. So that's something that I found fascinating. It was obviously there's a uh, kind of functional approach to it, working with the metal, but also a creative side to things. And I think that's another, that was just another little seed or maybe a drop of water to go with the seeds already planted elsewhere. But eventually uh, we moved house again. In fact, we moved kind of across the country to southeast. And I got involved in first Lego League with the school. I was teaching physics and an opportunity came up to have a go at this thing that I'd, I'd vaguely heard of before. And we, yeah, we I did, did quite well. Uh, the first year that we took part, 
Uh, I can still remember there's certain things in life that you can remember vividly. I can still remember that we'd, we'd been to this, the regional competition held at local university. And we weren't sure that we were going to do very well. And we, we, we put some things together. We'd, we'd made some things. And the certificates and prizes were being given out at the end of the day. And various certificates and prizes being given out. And we hadn't received anything. And I can remember one of the, the, the lads saying to me, we haven't got anything. So I, I sort of said, well, don't worry, I'll, I'll go and speak to the organisers. Then, yeah, we must surely be able to get a certificate or something. And then about two minutes later, they say they announce, and the grand winners are, and it's us. And I can still remember, in fact, just, it's cold in you, but I can, I've almost got a chill at the back of my neck, kind of the, the feeling, you know, almost fell over. And we ended up going to the national championships and then to the open world championships that year, or the following, following year, technically. And so we ended up raising a lot of money and building sort of displays and all sorts of things. So that was kind of, yeah, part of my maker journey. Very much that kind of, again, brought me into the sort of site of the technology department because we needed a lot of their help with making things and designing things. Then about 2012, give or take a year, uh, I was approached by one of the senior leaders of the school that I was at and asked if I knew anything about electronics. As it happened, I have obviously a physics degree, have an interest in electronics, and I actually completed, uh, when I was before I became a teacher, City and Guilds in electronics. Again, similar to the, kind of the, the forensic science and the silver jewellery, something I'd done just to avoid being bored. Just gone to my local college and signed up for a course when, at the time when it was pretty much free to do things like that. So I said, well, yes. Why? Because we had an electronics teacher. And it turns out the electronics teacher wanted to retire, but there was a, a class of students that still had a year to go before their exams. So I jumped at the chance and I had a fantastic time. It was, it was hard work because obviously I had to get my head around what they needed for the exam. Uh, needed to make sure they were prepared for the exams and yeah that they weren't really in a situation position to where they should have been when I took them over but we got excellent results I say we because obviously they had to do work as well it wasn't just down to me even had a little mention in the results breakdown the following year when the results had come out because we'd done so well and that that introduced me to a whole bunch of things that I'd not really come across other than kind of passing. Things like pickaxe, chips, programming, circuit design software, circuit simulation software. And because it was an electronics products course they were doing rather than just straight electronics, uh, they had to design their enclosures for their electronics as well. So I got to use some of the sort of nice tools in the technology department and discover things like vacuum formers. I discovered Make, Make magazine, and I spent hours and hours obviously making sure that my electronics were up to speed, but also looking for ideas to help the students. I discovered, discovered this whole new world that I didn't know existed of people 
Well, I can't. I think I probably did know it existed, but I didn't know there was a community behind it. People hacking things, making things. Although I was on Facebook at the time, I didn't really use YouTube much. I didn't know about kind of communities working together. I kind of saw the internet as a resource library. Um, I, I still have somewhere. I don't use bookmarks much anymore, but I still somehow have you know, bookmark files that are thousands of entries, just things that I was finding out. But sort of discovering Make and Instructables and companies like Adafruit, finding out about Make Affairs. I took my kids to a mini Make Affair in Brighton one year. Saw some amazing things that people have been making and, you know, remote controlled Daleks and we felted pebbles. We still, we still got those and made some FIMO fruit, not fruit, uh, FIMO cupcakes and remotely operated vehicles. They had vintage PCs. That kind of made me feel a bit old when some of the vintage PCs were ones that I kind of were older teens and, and even older. I... I only was asked to do that teaching for a year and I, I did really push to try and maintain that as a course. Uh, some of the students wanted to do electronics A-level and I was willing to take that on. But the school decided that they didn't want to do that. It's expensive to run technology type courses. And so a decision was made that electronics at the school would be scrapped and huge amounts of stuff was just skipped. I did save as much as I could uh, out of the skips. And I still have somewhere kind of, you know, some of the sort of students' work, ones that they didn't want to keep. Uh, boxes of old, the previous teacher had been a, a hoarder of old electronics, and I still have huge quantities of some of that stuff, which for a school, would there's no point trying to pass it on to another school. It was, it was a hoard, and that, that's the only kind of way of thinking about it. But I... I think the most important thing I got from that, rather than some of those sort of bits and bobs, is the bug, the making bug. Yeah, making as a pursuit, as a hobby, that rather than just as a function, rather than fixing things in the house, rather than putting a new bathroom in or a new kitchen or you know, changing doors around so they open a different way. So that that kind of really spurred me on. I was still doing the first Lego League, kind of became known almost as Mr. Lego in the school. That I was at at the time, worked closely with the technology department. Uh, some of them became good friends, and yeah, it was, it was nice to see the quite progressive department. And they started to acquire things like three D printers, laser cutter, as well as having some of the kind of the older stuff. Although it was sad, they did have when I first joined the school, they had machine lathes, and those went at one point. But yeah, you, you kind of only keep so much stuff, and sometimes the cost of getting things back into action isn't worth it and you, know, you can there could be long discussions about you know the curriculum and, and what's what's on sometimes those decisions are made well above pay grade of teachers and, and even head teachers but having moved to this part of the country gaining the tinkerage uh tinkerage became somewhere where i spent more and more time uh doing things doing bits of electronics particularly i started to sort of developing it uh, it's very much if something was being thrown out of school I'd probably and it was electronic whether it's an old computer an old power supply whether it's something that was no longer safe to be used in school I'd probably be the one to kind of grab it some things I'm able to fix some things I've 
kept bits off because they're useful. Some things just then went on to the tip or to other places. In the house we moved to, we obviously carried on the same tradition. It's our third house together and lots of things needed making and fixing and doing. It was a house that we bought that had a fantastic garden, but the house wasn't in a very good condition. So lots of work done, kitchen, bathroom, utility room, as well as kind of the regular decorating and things like that. But over time, that damage caused back in the 90s, working for a company that didn't regard health and safety as in any way important. That came to nag me more and more and more. And eventually, in the early parts of 2017, uh, I started getting more and more issues to the point where I had to take some time off work, the months, which was something I struggled with. Guilt as a teacher in many teachers, good teachers, I think particularly, uh, can be very, very high. Uh, I changed schools, so feeling more guilty. And but I didn't, I didn't really have any choice in the matter. I could barely walk. Um, walking was actually one of the few things that would give me relief. I, I couldn't sit down. I had spent time either signing or, or lying down. As you can imagine, I was in quite a lot of pain and concentrating on anything was, was difficult. Being able to do anything, make anything was next to impossible. There's only so many films you can watch. Reading, I, I just couldn't read at that time either. And one day I was on the TV, I was playing around with our Amazon Fire Stick and discovered that you could get YouTube on the Fire Stick, which is great because I could operate that from the little remote control while lying on the floor. So I kind of went, what am I going to watch? I used YouTube a few, I used to use YouTube a lot as a teacher, finding sort of science videos and videos of people doing things that you couldn't do in a laboratory. Um, or just, you know, things I couldn't do, perhaps in the laboratory. Yeah, people doing calisthenics and are holding themselves at amazing angles. Or uh, what I used to use showed a, uh, I believe a Japanese lady, balancing coconut palm fronds uh, on each other, starting with a feather and then crossing them over and getting to a point where she's holding, you know, this huge structure and it's all perfectly balanced like a mobile and kind of she knocks the feather off and the whole thing collapses because the feather it's balancing everything. So I kind of just started browsing through and discovered this this guy called Jimmy DeResta. And there was the episodes of the TV program that he did with his brother, where they would find things, fix them up, and then sell them on the flea markets. And I discovered that Jimmy DeResta had a channel and started watching that. And from there, I discovered Bob Claggett, and I like to make stuff. And I discovered that... They had a, a podcast called Making It, and podcasts, something I'd, I'd listened to podcasts for years, but just generally nothing to do with making, if you like Tim Ferriss. So I downloaded some podcasts and started listening to those. And from those podcasts, discovered people like Ben Ueda, uh, the Modern Maker podcast. Uh, who else? April Wilkerson. And I discovered these people making things. And I pretty much binged on, just binged on, on just making videos and making podcasts. Listened to the back catalogue of Reclaimed Audio and therefore watched all of Phil Pinsky's videos and Tim Sway's videos and Bill Lutz's videos. And for me, that was, that was a very important time. Things they were saying about making, but also saying about life helped me in what was quite a difficult time. 
I made physical improvement and was able to start returning back to work. But that summer, I started an Instagram account and started the Tales from Tinkerage YouTube channel. And I started making things for enjoyment. I can remember making a cardboard sword for uh, one of my children to give to a friend for their birthday. We kind of made it from layers of card, corrugated card, cut from boxes, and painted it, and added sort of greeblies and details using hot glue. I challenged myself to post daily to Instagram, and that got me starting to see things again and, and kind of get my photography. I would say back into photography because I, I, I got into digital photography early 2000s with kind of sort of cheap compact digital camera but in the probably about 2010 got a digital slr and started taking kind of photography more seriously again but probably wasn't until maybe about 2015 2014 where i discovered lightroom uh, photoshop package deal that i started kind of really getting back into photography and essentially the digital darkroom so it got me kind of trying to be more observant with my photography rather than kind of just picking it up on a weekend or when we were going out somewhere. Being kind of what I thought was fit again, I uh, started to tidy up the tinkerage, started to try and make more things. And some of that's recorded on Instagram and YouTube, so you can go and find some of that. The news that there was going to be a big meetup in, in 2018 Make Central was very exciting. I got tickets quite early, possibly back in the August of 2017. So the thought of kind of yeah, meeting some of these people was huge. I managed to, I can't remember quite how now, but probably through Facebook, I kind of metaphorically bumped into Al, Mal's Hack Shack, and Soph from Make It Soph. And we kind of supported each other and kind of inspired each other uh, those two obviously made much faster progress than than i did they're much younger much more talented that was quite a big boost to how i thought about making again you see from this journey there's been little boosts drip here drip there boost there so that was kind of a yeah another thing that kind of moved me forward discovering the community of people and being accepted into that community yeah that's a topic i'm going to talk about in in detail episode of time now i was posting regularly to youtube and instagram and i had a youtube channel for my physics which i haven't posted on in quite a long while now but may start again but november of 2017 my injury kind of got worse again and i just got sent home from work because i was just i was unable to actually barely stand couldn't hold a coherent sentence together really and that was essentially the end of my teaching career which as you can imagine was a difficult time physically mentally and it meant that I was not able to go to Make Essential in 2018. I maintained my Instagram posting for quite a, a while and that was in, in some ways a therapy for me and what a lot of people don't realize is that it's for quite a long period of time where I was posting daily images they were all taken on the same little walk that i did every day twice a day i'd go out with the dog walking very slowly and it gave me an opportunity to see things 
in such a way that you don't if you're walking quickly. Now during that time I wasn't making wasn't something I could do a huge amount of. I'd be doing bits and bobs and every now and again I'd, I'd work on a project and sometimes projects just go very, very slowly. I might be able to work on something for a bit of time and then I'd have to stop for maybe a long period of time and just try and pick things up. Nothing big, nothing major. But that became, for me, a time when I could encourage others and be inspired by others. I follow a large number of people on YouTube. Uh, I have quite a large number of people that I follow on Instagram. And the maker community has been fantastic to me. And I see it as the thing that I can help make when I can't make. So I like to encourage others. I may not be compared to some of the most prolific of makers or the most experienced of makers. Very much, again, another topic, jack of all trades. And very far from being a master of any. And so I kind of try and hopefully make make a community just that little bit better place by encouraging others, offering tips, words of advice, words of encouragement when I can. I was extremely pleased uh, to be able to get to Make Essential in 2019. I think that's, yeah, I'll be, I'll be 50 years old later this year. And I think Make a Central Weekend is possibly one of the best weekends of my adult life. Uh, it'd be fair to say. Yeah, I've done some interesting things. I've been to some interesting places. I've done some adventurous things. But I think as far as, particularly as far as people goes, that's a fantastic weekend. I had a good blacksmithing, forged a nail, very proud of. I uh, got given some pieces of equipment, 3D printer, a couple of welders. I'm very much appreciative to Simon and Jim, respectively, for, for those things. I think, most, I think that event flooded me with, rather than just drip, drip more water to, to kind of get the maker growth going, I think that was kind of sort of a flood. Uh, I've kind of added to my repertoire and hopefully will continue to add to my repertoire of making. Uh, this. Last year, I've been doing some book binding, and I, I hope to do more. That's something that I've kind of really enjoyed. Something I can do in the warm. Tinkerage, particularly this time of year, is, is cold. Uh, I've left the heating off when I'm not filming, so it's uh, it's getting quite chilly. But book binding, you can do that in the house, and so that's that making too much mess. I guess you can do do carving in the house, but. And be a little bit messy at times. Luckily, hardwood flooring where uh, where I tend to do that. I've spent a lot of time, obviously, doing things like rejigging the tinkerage and building things for the tinkerage and writing down. I've got notebooks, a number of notebooks now, uh, with different ideas. You know, I keep separate notebooks for things like carving or bookbinding, and I've got a kind of a maker notebook where I kind of sorted things in. I've got so many project ideas. I think I've got enough to keep me going for another 10 years, but I'll probably just keep adding to the list. I don't know how quickly I can make them. I don't know how whether all will get made. I've got so many things that I want to try. I've got new skills that I want to learn. 
I know that I'm limited on which ones I can do. I, I haven't got the money or the strength to have a full-sized anvil, uh, a forge, uh, but hopefully I'll do more forging at some point with somebody else's. As a, a young teenager, I always fancied the idea of taking a car. I was wanting a Volkswagen Beetle, a classic Volkswagen Beetle, and turn it into like a Baja beach buggy type vehicle. Uh, I, I can't envisage that. But maybe one day I'll have a more skill than the 3D printer, maybe have a CNC. Uh, I'd love to do some sort of CNC work. I think that might develop the creative side of things a little bit more without necessarily, not something too big, something like an X-Carve or a, uh, an Ooze-Nest Workbee, something like that, something that would fit desktop sized, possibly squeeze it in here somewhere. Maybe some wood turning, again, probably on the smaller side rather than the bigger side. I'd love to do some machine work, but again, I know that one can be tough. That's uh, what do all, really. I think my maker journey has been long. It's maybe not been as well defined as some people's, and I don't think it's going to stop. Not yet. Not soon, I hope. So I think that's it for episode two, my maker journey. I hope you followed along, and I hope you've enjoyed listening to it. I've not bored you too much with my life story, or elements of my life story. There's, there's a lot more to it, as with most people. If you've got suggestions for things you'd like me to talk about, there are things you'd like to know about me, uh, then please drop me a message. Use Thoughts from the Tinkerage on Instagram. And you can send me an email, thoughtsfromthetinkerage at gmail.com. Hopefully soon there'll be a Facebook page specifically for the podcast. And hopefully soon there'll be a YouTube channel specifically for the podcast. I have the channel. I just need to kind of do the channel art and upload first two episodes i'm going to have need to develop a kind of a routine and structure at the moment i'm just going to get a few episodes up and once i've got kind of a routine of recording editing producing some clip art and promoting then i'll probably settle into a bit of a schedule uh, my friend dom suggested that i have uh, maybe tinkerage tuesday so that's a that's a possibility or maybe tinkerage thursday doesn't quite hit quite so much so if I go for Tinkerage Tuesday, that might just be once a week, and that might be some that might be manageable. So we'll see. But if you've got suggestions or thoughts, then please do do send them my way. At the moment, this is only on Anchor FM and Spotify. I will of course be trying to get it onto as many other podcast providers as possible. Uh, I don't know yet if there's any means by which you can give reviews. Um, as soon as I do know that, I will let you know. And obviously I would appreciate as many five-star or have a maximum star reviews as possible. If there are things you want me to change about it, if you think I should do shout-outs. To be honest, I, I will do shout-outs. Uh, I've mentioned obviously a few people within this episode. Big names, I know, but there's still people I follow. There's still people I watch regularly. I listen to Making It. As soon as it drops onto my podcast provider and I have time, it gets listened to So. It arrives on a Friday. I listen to it on a Friday. Fools with Tools, Val, Stephen, Brett. You know, I, as soon as that arrives, that gets listened to as well. There's a few other podcasts like that. I'll talk more about some of my podcasts that I enjoy uh, in another episode. I could waffle on for longer. Those people that know me really well know that given the opportunity, I can waffle forever. Uh, but I will stop here. So thank you very much. And bye for now.